Hello, listeners. Mike Murphy here, and thanks for listening to another ABB Solutions podcast. Today's topic is to better understand inverter duty motors. With me today is Rick Kirkpatrick, Global Product Manager for Variable Speed AC Motors. Rick, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. All right, let's start off with the term inverter, and I'm also hearing terms like inverter duty. Is there a difference between those two? Yes, yes, there is. An inverter is a piece of electronic equipment that essentially allows for the speed control of a AC motor. There are many terms that you might hear out there that are the same thing as an inverter, but it's called an inverter, which, which is kind of an unusual thing, a term to use in a way, because it's really only half of the device. The, the device, really, what it is, is a converter and an inverter together. And what that means is that this, this magic black box, if you will, takes the three-phase AC input voltage, whether that be like 230 volt or 460 volt or 380 volt over in Europe or whatever, whatever level it is, and it turns it into a DC signal, a DC bus, large uh, DC signal. Then the inverter part of this, of this device then creates an AC waveform back out of that. Uh, which, which you might say, well, why, why would we take AC and turn it DC and turn it back into AC? That seems silly. Well, the reason we do that is that through the uh, microprocessor control that's in, in this inverter, we can recreate that AC waveform at any frequency we'd like. And that enables us then to, to control the speed of an AC motor because AC motors speed, the speed of that motor is controlled by the frequency uh, of the waveform that's sent to it. So in short, an inverter is a device that converts an AC line into DC and then back into a variable frequency DC signal that can control the speed of a motor. And there are many terms you might hear um, that really are all kind of the same thing. You might hear um, an, a term called an AC drive. That's the same thing as an inverter or a variable frequency drive, or, or an adjustable frequency drive. All of those things are really the same thing. You might also hear terms like variable speed drive. A variable speed drive is could be an AC drive or could be an inverter, but it could also be a DC drive for a DC motor. So it's a little bit more general kind of term. And an adjustable speed drive would be another, another term you might hear. But essentially, all of those devices are black boxes that, that allow for the speed control of a motor. Now, inverter duty, that's a little bit different kind of thing. Inverter duty actually refers to the motor that is being controlled by the inverter. There, I should say this up front. There are really no standards out there that say, hey, and this is what an inverter duty motor is. There are certainly standards out there that talk about how drives, how motors should behave when used on an inverter. But that's that's a different context than saying that the term inverter duty really means anything. Kind of loosely said, inverter duty means that the motor is designed to run on a drive and won't suffer any damage from normal use on that inverter. But there are other terms that we, as well as the competition, use to describe those types of motors, and they might call them vector duty, they might call them inverter capable, inverter ready, 
or even vector control, which, which is kind of odd because you might think vector control sounds like an algorithm that inverter would use, but there's actually uh, companies that say vector controlled variable speed motors. So they're so they're using that term to describe the motor. But it, all those terms are just trying to get at the fact that the motor is designed to be run on a drive and the insulation systems will not be damaged by running on a drive. That's kind of the, the lowest level of compatibility. There are higher levels of compatibility when they start talking about compatibility with different specifications from NEMA or IEC. But at the base level, inverter duty just means the motor's designed to be run on a drive. Okay, excellent. Okay, so inverter duty will be kind of our umbrella term for this podcast. So let's dive a bit deeper with other types of motors. Uh, Rick, we've got induction, permanent magnet. How might a permanent magnet motor differ from a standard induction motor? Okay, so both of those terms are AC motors. So first of all, you know, let's let's say we're talking about AC motors and not about DC motors, and, and that's and that's fine. An induction motor really means that the motor has a stator, which is a big coil in the frame of the motor. And it's called a stator because it's the stationary part of the motor. It doesn't, doesn't move. And then the interior part called the rotor, which rotates, is the other part. That rotor can be designed in different ways. And if that rotor is essentially a big coil of wire like the stator is, what we can do, what can, what can happen with the proper design is that electrical currents can be induced in that rotor from the stator when fed with an AC signal. So if you send AC voltage, like I said, 460 volt three phase AC, for example, into the stator, that stator will then set up this, this rotating field. Well, that will then cross that air gap between the rotor and the stator, and it will induce a current in the rotor. Now, that, that induced current in the rotor now will start to oppose the current that's in the stator, and that will cause movement. And as that field rotates in the stator, it will cause the rotor to go along with its moving field. So it will cause rotation, and it will cause rotation in the direction that the leads are connected in the stator. For example, if you said that the leads connected, maybe phase A, B, and C are connected in one order, let's say to, to um, T1, T2, T3 in the, in the stator, that could cause the rotor to rotate perhaps clockwise. If you were to go then connect that stator ACB rather than ABC, it would rotate in reverse and rotate counterclockwise. The manner in which the stator is connected controls the direction. And as I said before, the speed is controlled by the frequency that's fed to that stator. So if you feed, for example, if you feed 60 hertz, which is our, our standard here in the United States, to that motor, and let's say that that motor is a four-pole motor, we would expect to get 1800 RPM or revolutions per minute on that rotor. Now, there's the thing that's different with an induction motor is that there's this, this concept called slip. And as you load the rotor, in other words, as you, as you, usually a motor is designed to do something, it's designed to spin a load. As that load level increases, there will be more slip. And the, the slip for a induction motor 
is defined as the amount it runs below its synchronous speed. Hang on to that term for a minute at rated load. So, for example, if you have a five horsepower motor and you put five horsepower of load on the shaft, say it's maybe a fan or a pump or something, it can increase five horsepower of load. It will run at its at its rated speed at five horsepower. So perhaps that motor is rated 1785 and it's a four pole motor. That means that there's 15 RPM slip in that four pole motor. And, and all induction motors have slip. Synchronous motors don't have slip. There are many kinds of synchronous motors, but they don't have slip. So when you when you run a synchronous four pole motor at 60 hertz at rated load, it's going to run 1800 RPM. If you've got to run it no load, it's going to run 1800 RPM. If you've got to run it half load, it's going to run 1800 RPM. In other words, the rotation of that motor is synchronous with the incoming AC line. Now, there are different types of synchronous motors. And you mentioned permanent magnet. Permanent magnet is one of those types of synchronous motors. And rather than having a coil of wire, if you will, or, or another type of material, could be a cast rotor, where there are currents induced in the rotor. A synchronous machine, excuse me, a permanent magnet machine has magnets in the rotor. Now, there's a couple types. The, the magnets could be on the rotor, on the outside of the rotor, or they could be interior to the rotor. They could be inside the rotor. But in either case, there are magnets associated with the rotor. And those magnets they're, they're not electromagnets, they're permanent magnets. In other words, they have a permanent magnetic field. If you were, they're like a refrigerator magnet, only much stronger. If you, if you bring them near metal, they're going to stick on that metal. And the magnets that are in motors are quite strong magnets. So in many cases, we don't even handle them when they're magnetized. We might put them into the rotor, assemble the whole rotor, and then magnetize the rotor before putting that rotor into the motor, into the frame of the motor. So permanent magnets have, have a permanent magnetic field, and they interact with that rotating field of the stator. The stator, many times, is, is the same in an induction motor and a synchronous motor, in many cases. And then they align themselves with that rotating magnetic field, and that's how we get rotation in a permanent magnet or synchronous rotor. Okay. That answer your question there? I think it does. No, you did. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, induction, we'll, we'll see slip with induction and then a synchronous will run at, well, synchronous speed. Can you dive a little deeper with uh, the types of synchronous motors? I think you mentioned that there's a, a few other types. So, so there's two types of permanent magnets that are prevalent. One's called surface PM. And in, in that case, the permanent magnets are mounted to the surface of the rotor. And for example, if it's a four pole motor, there will be four sections of magnetic material there uh, north and south poles so there'll be two norths and two souths if you will there are also synchronous reluctance type permanent or synchronous reluctance synchronous motors and we call those synrms synchronous reluctance motors don't have magnets but they are synchronous and and what happens the rotor is made up of, of a lamination stack. Actually, the stator is too. And what I mean by that, a lamination is a very thin piece of metal that is stamped in a press to create a stamped piece of metal that is exactly the right size. Then there's, there's a coating on these laminations. But then they are all stacked together and held together by some means. 
and that could be rivets or it could be something else, but they're held together by some means. In a synchronous reluctance motor, there are banana-shaped, I'll call them, stamps inside those laminations inside the rotor. And it happens that something called reluctance torque is developed because of those stamped banana shapes in the rotor. And it, it actually runs synchronous. Now, you might say, well, why in the world, if I can do it without magnets would and get a synchronous motor, would I would I use magnets in the first place? There, there are some reasons to use permanent magnet rotors as opposed to synchronous reluctance rotors. In, in general, it works. However, it might not be quite as efficient. And also, the power factor, which is a new term I'm introducing here, and I'll explain that in a minute, will typically not be as good. So why is the power factor important? Okay, the power factor has to do with the alignment of the, I'll say, voltage and current waveforms in a motor. Why is that important? Okay, typically, the power that, that a motor consumes, power that anything consumes in basic sense, is the voltage times the current. But in an AC motor, you also have to say times the power factor. So if that power factor is close to one, you've got a very efficient motor and, and you've got a motor where the current will be pretty much optimized for that motor. The synchronous reluctance motor, the power factor will be something less than one and it will have a higher, typically a higher full load current than a similarly sized permanent magnet. So what that can mean is that it can mean that it may take a larger drive to control that motor, uh, that, that synchronous reluctance motor, as opposed to a permanent magnet motor. So little nuances, they both can be high efficiency motors, but the current on a CINRM motor is typically higher than its equivalent permanent magnet motor. There's also another type too, which is kind of the best of all worlds, and it's called a phaser motor and what we do there is we create this synchronous reluctance motor but then we put permanent magnet ferrite permanent magnets into the rotor into those banana slots in the rotor and what that allows us to do is get the benefit of a CNRM motor as well as a permanent magnet motor in one place they're called phasers because they're ferrite assisted synchronous reluctance motors and, and we do use those in our EC Titanium product at Fort Smith today. that answer that question? It did, yes. Yeah, I had no idea uh, ABB with, with such a wide range of motors. I knew about all the inductions, but that's that's great to, to have that many different types of, of synchronous motors out there. So, Rick, surely uh, there's got to be some sort of standard. We, we're very familiar with, with the NEMA standards for induction, but some of these inverter duty or, or variable speed motors, what, what type of industry standards oversee those types of motors? So that's a good question. NEMA MG1 standard is the standard for motors, okay? So MG1 is a very large standard and it, it basically covers, covers motors for NEMA. MG1 part 30 and 31 deal with the definitions of what types of of characteristics these motors should have when run on a drive or an inverter. And the difference is that part 30 is talking about running a standard motor 
standard induction motor or standard motor on a inverter. 31 is focusing on a variable speed motor, a motor more designed for a variable speed application. There are levels of insulation spike resistance that become very important. So when I said that we use this magic black box called an inverter to create an output waveform that is a variable speed AC signal, that's mostly true. But it doesn't look anything like this pure sine wave coming in to that, to that magic black box. So the sine waves that, that we use in our power distribution systems all over the country and all over the world are pretty nice looking sine waves in most cases. They're created by generators and they're pretty smooth. When we recreate an AC signal off of a drive or off of an inverter, in that second section of the drive called the inverter section, we use transistors to turn on and off the connections between that levels of the DC bus. And in essence, we generate something called PWM. So PWM is pulse width modulation. And by varying the amount of time that that voltage stays on, let me, let me clarify here, we're using the transistor as a switch. So it's either on or off. So you're either getting zero volts out or you're getting full DC bus voltage out, which is somewhere around, let's say, 600 volts on a, on a 460-volt system. So when it turns on that's, and turns back off, that's called a pulse. Now, we can leave the pulse on for different amounts of time because we are gating or turning on and off those transistors. It's called gating. Those transistors based on what's called a carrier frequency. And that carrier frequency is much higher than the frequency we're going to send, the fundamental frequency we're going to send to the motor. So, for example, if, if, if we had the motor inverter running at 60 hertz and we're trying to get a four-pole motor to run at 1,800 RPM, as we talked earlier, the carrier frequency in that drive, just for example, might be 4 kilohertz or 4,000 switches per second. So if we leave that switch on for multiple of those gating cycles, we can get a wider pulse. And by varying the width of that pulse, we can create a function that resembles a sine wave if you send that PWM signal to something like a motor stator, which a motor stator is really a big inductor. And what it does is it smooths out that waveform so that rather than seeing Rather than seeing all these spikes, it, it smooths it out. So it's kind of much more smoother, but it's not totally smooth. And it's got that, that carrier frequency spikes running on there. And those spikes can be pretty high. And depending on the line run, what they call the motor line run, run from the drive to the motor, depending on how long that is, those spikes can get pretty high. And the longer they get, typically the higher those spikes get. Well, if those spikes get too high, they're going to damage the insulation system. And there are different types of insulation systems used in motors. And part 31, among other things, defines, part MG1 part 31, defines what type of not only the spike level, but also something called DVDT. And you may have heard of DVDT. And, and it sounds like calculus, and it actually is. But it has to do with how fast 
that pulse rises, that spike rises when it enters the motor. It's not only about the absolute level of the spike, of the voltage spike, it's also about how quickly it goes. And the standard defines for you how long it takes to go from 10% to 90% of the spike. And, and that, those are numbers that are, that are in the microseconds. They're, they're very, very fast. And the faster those spikes are, the more damage that can be caused to an insulation system. And the more important it is that the motor has a particular type of insulation system to resist that. Now, if the line, line uh, run gets long enough, motor run gets long enough, you, you can still have spikes that damage the motor, even in a properly designed motor. In those cases, there are external devices you can put on the motor, or on the, excuse me, on the drive, between the drive and the motor, that creates something less damaging to the motor and looks even more like a sine wave. I think that answers your question. Okay. No, for sure. For sure. I know, uh, speaking for our listeners, the, the NEMA MG1 parts 30 and 31 do, do get pretty detailed, but it's it's good to, you know, top tier motor manufacturers like ABB certainly spend spend their, their time in, in designing the, the right motor for the right application. That's all the time we've got today. Rick, hey, thank you so much for speaking with us, giving us more of a deeper dive on inverter duty motors. If you'd like more information, uh, on inverter duty motors or those in- inverters or variable speed drives, uh, contact your local ABB or Bowdo Reliance salesperson. And as always, visit us online at www.abb.com. Then under the products tab, choose motors and generators. And always keep tuning in to the ABB Solutions podcast in your favorite browser or app. Thanks and have a great day. <laughs>